we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. We uh, are going to talk some KU foosball today. We're going to be joined by Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. We got some KU football audio to get to you. Right off the top, let's play uh, a little game of reckless speculation. Oh, my favorite. Kenny Logan on Twitter tweeted. This is, By the way, I just noticed this just now. What's that? Did you notice what time he tweeted this? Uh, I did not bother to look, no. 5.42 in the morning. He's an early riser. Getting after it, dude. He's an early riser, man. Man, just putting us all to shame. Early bird gets the worm. I know. Uh, got some news for y'all. The 17th. What could that be in reference to? Well, I think it's in reference to December 17th. Well, I spec reckless speculations. <laughs> Recklessly oh. speculate. Okay. Well, Kenny Logan, Kenny Logan is be announcing he's transferring the on the 17th. Draft. He's he announcing he's going to the draft. Declaring. He's he announcing he's skipping the bowl game. Opting out Those of are the all the negative game. things that we just he went could over. Could be coming back. Yeah. He has another year of that. eligibility. Could it be like an he NIL could be, thing? Could have signed some kind of NIL deal. Uh, he could have. Maybe he. I don't know. I mean, I'll say maybe this. He, maybe he got his. His family some Christmas presents, and he's going to tell us what it is on the 17th. <laughs> Just spoil the surprise. Maybe his birthday's the 17th. Have you thought about that? No, I have not. Maybe that's the that'd news be kind of a, that it's his birthday. No offense, but that'd be kind of a self-absorbed way to be like, hey, everyone, I'm, so I'm announcing so, something. It's my birthday. Everybody so look at me. My bir- so, I, so uh, honestly, swear to God, my birthday's next week. Yeah. So you tell me if I go on Twitter right now and tweeted, I have some news for you next week. Yes. That's selfish. And then on your birthday... You're like, the news is, everybody's like on pins and needles, like, oh, what could it be? And you're like, it's First my all, birthday. Nobody would be on pins and noodles if I said I had news. <laughs> nobody would care. <laughs> but, uh, no, okay, I mean, okay, fine. Listen, you said reckless speculation. I am giving you reckless no, speculation. I, I, yes, I I'm appreciate you that. What you I appreciate asked. that. No, this is, okay, so I, I, I do think this, like, we just threw a couple things out there just for the sake of doing it. I will say this, like, reckless speculating or speculation. If it was like a, it would not be a transfer thing. If he was going to transfer, he would have just done it. You know, why would you not just do it now? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be think. going pro, and maybe you're like saying I'm going to go pro and skip the bowl game. But again, why would you not just do that now? You know? Yeah, because aren't there practices between now and the 17th? Yes. So it's like, what's what's up with that? So maybe it is like he's going to announce he's coming back for an extra season, but then. Uh, why? Why again? Why wait? Like, what? What is special about the seventeenth for that? I'm telling you, it's like it's, it's gonna. You're right. I think you're right. It is gonna be something like that. I think. No, here's my guess. I think it's gonna be something with like nil. It's yeah. gonna be some sort be. of like either like he's gonna start hosting a podcast or he's going to release some Which, nil okay. gear or let's, he's gonna have like on. a signing let's, somewhere. Let's extrapolate that out. Yeah. If he if he announces an nil thing on the seventeenth, 
wouldn't that then lead you to assume that he is going to return for another season? 2KU specifically? Could be, unless right? it's money to you know help fund. you got to buy like a trainer and get an agent and stuff for the draft. I don't know. But yeah, that'd probably, be stupid. Probably, sign an, I, probably sign right, an yes. NIL deal and then go to the draft mm-hmm. two months later? Yeah, what if later? they, I mean, it could just be announcing some big NIL deal he signed. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But then wouldn't that lead you to assume that he's going to return for another year then? Probably. Right? Yes. By the way, speaking of NIL, I don't know if you saw, uh, Grady Dick has a new NIL deal as well with Adidas. Which yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Why? But, well, because you're already with Adidas. You're at an Adidas school. But now he is... Like him specifically. Yes. So like he can do commercials for them or be on photo shoots or specifically... Like he wears Adidas stuff at Kansas, but he can't He can't be like, hey... He's not promoting Adidas? Yeah, exactly. He's promoting it by wearing it. But now he is all encompassing Adidas. Like he could, if he wanted, when he's off the basketball court, I mean, KU's compliance would probably get mad about it, but he could show up to like a random event wearing Puma or Nike socks if he really wanted, right? He could be wearing Jordan shoes. But now that he's sponsored by Adidas, he does that. He's, you know, in trouble. And, uh, Let's okay. That's that's dumb. I think. I do wonder if we, uh, in regards to the Grady Dick thing, I wonder if that, like, are we going to eventually see a way when when a lot of these apparel contracts expire? That I forget what the one with Adidas was for KU as well. Like ten years, hundred fifty million dollars. It was, a, it was like one that. of the biggest. They have of any school. It was, um, and and when those deals expire with because when that was signed as along with a lot of these other ones, it wasn't in the same time period as NIL. Like oh, NIL yeah. was a, a couple years after, to where the biggest reason that the shoe companies do this with the different schools is so that yeah, when when people are watching on TV, they see their favorite player wearing Adidas shoes or, or cool but now Adidas they can just gear. go directly and get the player. Exactly. So I do wonder if we're going to hit a road in about 10 to 15 years from now when all those contracts have, have basically expired, but they're just going to not, they're going to no longer negotiate with the school. They're more so just going to be like, you can wear whatever you want. We're just going for the individual players we really want. Well, okay. But see, where you run into the issue, obviously, is like, what if Nike wanted to sign Grady Dick to an NIL deal, but he goes to Kansas? Well, but that's what I'm saying. So right now, that would be a problem. And and actually, a good example of this, so there's there's the high school kid, Mikey Williams, who's like a top 20 recruit in the country for oh, the yeah. last 2023. Did he sign with Puma? He signed with Puma. And so supposedly that has had a big, it's created kind of a log jam for, I, I forget who he, I think he decided to go to Memphis or something. Are there any Puma um, schools? No, there's not. So it makes it very difficult, right? So you have to come up with something with your compliance. It, it makes it very complicated for figuring that stuff out. But what I'm saying is that in 10 to 15 years from now, it's Kansas be... wouldn't even have a deal, like, right? Like, I don't know who the apparel uh, sponsor would be. It well, would just no, be— but, Okay, but I think from the school you see standpoint— what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand. But from the school standpoint, I think if you're a school, you want universal stuff. Yes, you do. I'm so saying— then that, So then that— they would still want to re-sign with like Adidas or re-sign Kansas with Kansas would, yes. Whoever. Well, any school. Right? Yes, correct. Okay, so then what's the issue? Because what if Adidas or Nike says, why are we shoveling out all this money to sponsor all your athletes when we only care about this handful? Because, I mean, I think it's still, it's like a, it's like a, the shield imaging type thing where it's like, it's all uniform. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's that's great and all. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if, that does get to a point where, you know, they're just like, there is a big apparel company. Well, that just could be says, a disaster for non-revenue sports then. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, it would. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's so I don't true think doomsday. Schools, I don't think schools would let that happen. I, I think schools would say you have to like sponsor our whole school. I don't think or it's whatever. up to them, though. Right? Well, it's, I don't it's think it is either, but it's like I think they would push heavily for mm-hmm. that. Certainly. I would think. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't, man, I mean, I don't know. But I also, it also brings up the idea of. What's that? I love ideas. Well, you know, they could they could still have their contracts with the different schools, but what if in addition to that you end up with them like doubling down on it, where it's not just, hey, we're giving you ten years, one hundred fifty million dollars for all your your sports to be sponsored by us. We're also going to individually pay your entire basketball team. No, I think that that mm-hmm. would be the route that you would go, and then that so way, like when that you, way we're going to guarantee so it's like, that you have like, like think about it this way all the best recruits. mass street strategies the nil company with with ku i think the way it could work would be like when ku recruits a player so ku has their contract with adidas but then when ku like basketball or whatever football recruits a player then like that player when they sign with ku they like at the simultaneously they sign with adidas through like their mastery or whatever through like their nil you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so it's like two different it's like you you sign two contracts one to like commit or i guess you know scholarship whatever one to like commit to the school but then you sign a second one that also like binds you to the shoe company i guess well and if that happens basically what would all but these that guys would, that would make it really 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 difficult to transfer at that point yes very much so um which dude this stuff is already the wild west as it is and Nobody's keeping. Nobody is enforcing any laws. There's, there's nothing. None of that's going on. No, I, I saw a report today from somebody who covers recruiting saying some player got offered like five million dollars in NIL money. Yeah, in the and portal right now. Also, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there was an NCAA like injunction or whatever, a temporary law put in place last year that explicitly states that you're not allowed to use NIL as inducement for recruiting. Yeah, that's what's they happening that, at every school in the country. I know that. Because it's like, how are they supposed to police that? Right? Well, then don't even then don't have the rule. I know they shouldn't. But well, the NCAA—they're just—it's just a. I mean, they're just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're just, they're just siphoning money off of the tournaments. That's it. They don't do anything else. Like we're gonna see, like Colorado, for instance, with Deion Sanders now, nil money at their disposal. I would assume they'll have a bunch. Like, I'm, I'm, well, I don't know. They don't even have the money to pay. Yeah. They don't even have the money to pay him. But like, don't you think that, like. With how impactful the portal can be, Colorado could legitimately go from being the worst Power Five to being school, like a Pac-12 one title of the contender. Top, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like four or five teams in the Pac-12 next season, easily. Yeah, I don't think that's that crazy to think at all. In fact, I think it's it's probably could happen. It's funny because when we we think of like coaching hires in in college sports, immediately the two biggest things that come to mind are you think of recruiting, and you think of like schematics or like developing right? players. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, like recruitment slash scheme slash like mm-hmm. developing the recruits. Yeah, you know. And I guess NIL is just a different branch of recruiting, but it is such a specialized difference that, like, if you, if you can just be well, yeah, really good NIL, as a coach at handling NIL, you're probably going to end up being a well, very successful coach. Right? NIL now. has it has nothing to do with facilities. It has nothing to do with on the field anything there's nothing related to anything related to the game at all it's only about one thing money that's it so that's what makes it special like you were saying compared to everything else is like if you're trying to recruit a player and you're like oh 
your player, the player's like, oh, well, you know, facilities, your facilities, I'm looking at them, they're not that great. Or, oh, you know, whatever, your scheme, whatever. With money, it's like, oh, we have more money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and like, I really, do, I mean, it, it's crazy because everything you just said with the facilities and the scheme, that was all a, a piece of the recruiting puzzle where it's like, well, I could like your scheme better, but I like their facilities better and I like that coach better, right? Now it's almost like I feel like you get into a situation where you're willing to go somewhere that doesn't have as good as stuff. doesn't have everything else, exactly. right? Like if you get the other money. school could have better everything else, but you get offered a million from this school and I only get offered 100000 from the other school. What are you taking? Of course, you're taking the million dollars. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And again, I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I still hope that there are some guys that do this where the one of the an interesting positive I think that could come from an ideal and I think specifically in basketball would be you might see guys that would normally be one and done players who might stick around in college for like an extra year or two because in some cases like it's really about the money you know obviously for some guys it's just about getting the next level and whatever they don't care but like for some guys it is about that right so if you're a really good basketball really good college basketball player and you can go pro and have a get chance to drafted late in the first round, early second round of the NBA draft. Or you can stick around for another year or two, be the biggest man on your campus probably, play for a national champ play for an NCAA tournament for a chance at a national championship. Like I would think that, that that's gotta be appealing to some guys. Yeah, I, I think we've already seen it. Guys like Oscar Shibwe and Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott. Yeah, Drew Timmy's a good example. Like right, like a really, really good college basketball player, but a guy that most people don't think is gonna be that great in the NBA. Right, and he even has a quote. He had a quote I think earlier this year where he said, "I can make. I'm making more money this year playing at Gonzaga than I would have made if I had gotten drafted in the NBA draft." Yes. By the way, have you did you see Gonzaga last night? They stink, dude. I did not. Well, I don't even. Who were they even playing? Um, Kent I mean, I State? saw they lost to Baylor. I don't know. Maybe Kent State's better than I gave credit for. They they were like losing late in the game. They ended up winning by seven against Kent State. They already have three losses. I guess Kent State's actually good. They ranked sixty eighth on Ken Palm, so take that's that for what's worth. That's not that good, Derek. Sixty eighth. Uh, for like a, a team of of Kent State's ilk, that would put them in category of being like a really dangerous like eleven or twelve seed. So like from that standpoint. Um, okay. But yeah, Gonzaga not very good anymore, man. They're dead. Yeah, stuff. Well, no, they're tanking so that they can kill the Big 12 talk and just keep dominating the, mm. the WCC. Smart. Is that smart? <laughs> uh, from one one standpoint, not from the money standpoint. Uh, by the way, did you see this? Eddie Robinson, Coach of the Year finalists. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I did see this. Noticeably not. I mean, I can go through the list if you want. Sonny Dykes, TCU, <laughs> Mike Elko, Duke, Willie Fretz, Tulane. Yeah, why is Mike Elko on there in a certain... Well, Coach I, from Lawrence, Kansas is not on there. I think Mike Elko deserves to be on there. It's just that, yes, Lance Leipold probably what do you mean deserves, deserves to be on there? more. Can you beat him? It's possible that both could deserve to be on there, though, right? Disagree. You think he can only be one of two? <laughs> there's like I mean, there's like eight guys on the list. Well, no. It, well, like, and like Kirby Smart's on there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I could be the coach of Georgia. <laughs> I could coach Georgia, and they'd be 12-0. Me. So why is Kirby Smart on there? Yeah, I mean, I, okay, don't get me wrong. Like, John Summerall at Troy had a great turnaround. They won 11 games. Awesome. Jeff Trailer 11 games at, at UTSA. But, like, yeah. is that really better of a coaching job than what Lance Leipold had to do, right? 
And yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, if, I don't know. Maybe if you are picking nits, like I, I would go with. I, I know you could say, well, Mike Elko won eight games at Duke. Kansas only won six, but Kansas beat him head to head. Also, the Big Twelve just inarguably yeah, tougher and deeper than the ACC. Terrible, right? I mean, imagine ACC sucks. If, if KU got to play, you know, Georgia Tech and three and nine Boston College and, and some of these other crap teams, they'd probably <laughs> win seven or eight games too. Um, but yeah, that that's very disappointing that he didn't at least. Wasn't they can't I, I didn't expect them to win it. Just fuel to the fire for next year. I guess so. But yeah, I don't yeah, I mean I've I was a bit surprised. I guess I I mean I guess you could look at it and say, well, it's probably more of a recency bias type thing, right? Like when was Kansas all of success? When was all of their success? September and early October. Mm-hmm. And then they went on a long oh, Yeah, lost couple, six of the last streaks. They lost seven. six of the, they lost five of the last six. Right? Six of the last seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or whatever. So that probably factors into what I would think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because that's that's when a lot of these awards are won. Yeah. Uh, we have recency bias overall. It's just come on, like look at what Kansas has been. College they game got to, day. Even getting to bowl eligibility is wild this season. Yes. Unfortunate. Not well, okay. They'll just win. They'll just win next year. People are mad about the. the uh, what are they? What, what, college what are football people, awards, man? What are they mad about? Well, the Heisman finalists. Oh. Like Stetson Bennett and yeah, Max, Stetson. The fact well, that Max Stetson Bennett, Bennett, that's the big one. It's the fact that Stetson Bennett is a finalist and uh, that okay. either Michael Penix or Hendon Hooker or not. For the people that are mad, have you not been paying attention to college football ever? <laughs> this is what this is how it goes. This is how it goes. The Heisman Trophy is not the best player in college football. It's the best player on one of the best teams. And oh, oh, by the way, only quarterbacks. So why are you getting mad? That's how mm. it's been. That is how it has been. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm I'm more mad about the uh, coach of the year thing. Oh, me too. Than I am the high Oh, me too for sure. Because whatever, Stetson Bennett's like, gonna. Why are you gonna get? Anyway. Ma- I don't like. What are you gonna get mad about? That's how it's always been. No, I uh, yeah. My my bigger gripe with the Heisman, like I said, just invite five people every year. Don't invite like that's where you run into problems. <laughs> you just invite five guys instead of the four. We're not really having this conversation. I don't even care about that either. I, I do. Just, I just, I just, these, I'm just not gonna waste. Time getting upset about an award where literally it's the same thing every year. Although now I my, my argument used to always be like, oh, this is just a cool experience for the kids. But now with NIL money, do they really need the free trip to New York? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> just give them the give them the five invites. It's it's cooler for the teams to say that. Hey, we had a Heisman finalist this year. Anyway, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We uh we're gonna preview the Arkansas game or, or do a little. I don't know. Shallow we're gonna, preview we're of preview, Arkansas. We're we'll just do that tomorrow. We're we'll going to preview it a lot. Yeah, yeah. we uh, kind of got sidetracked today. Anyway, we have some uh, Sam Burt audio that we're going to get to you on the other side. Matt Tate will join us in less than 20 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we're joined now by one Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. It's going to be a, uh interesting week here as Liberty Bowl was announced. Transfer portal opens up. KU basketball takes on Missouri on Saturday. Let's start with the football news, Matt. Uh, Kansas is in the Liberty Bowl against Arkansas. What's maybe the, the thing that sticks out the most to you about this bowl game selection or this matchup for Kansas? First of all, I think it's a great matchup. I really do. I think it's uh, obviously a great opponent uh, from a great conference, an SEC team. You get a chance to test yourself there. If you 
if you win, um, you know, the way things have been going in college football lately with the SEC and the Big Ten uh, trying and succeeding and separating themselves from the rest of the world, um, you beat an SEC team in a bowl game, you can kind of puff your chest out a little bit more and say, okay, we're, we're with you. Hey, you know. Don't don't think you've got too far away from us, and you know, and and it is just an exhibition game, and there's going to be players missing probably from both sides, and so, you know, you you can't put all your stock into it, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, and if you win, you can you can brag about it a little bit. So I think that's a, a cool opportunity, maybe you know more so than if they had been paired up with a Louisiana Tech or somebody like that, right? You know, you just you just have a little bit more to gain there. Um and then and then you know the biggest thing that stands out is it's, it's a cool bowl, man. I mean, there's a lot of history at the Liberty Bowl. Um there've been some great games there, there've been some great players there. Um from what I hear, uh you know, I wasn't I wasn't covering the team in 1973 when they went, so I don't know, but um you know, they they uh they really embrace this thing down there in Memphis and, and make it, you know, special. And, and there's, there's all kinds of events throughout the city uh, that are, that are kind of tied to it and things of that nature. So I, you know, I think that that's, you get some of these weird names, the bulls these days. And uh, you know, some of them are new, some of them are just newly named, but don't have the same, same, you know, juice or, or kind of, I guess uh, flash that their old name pad or whatever, and and this one does. I mean, it's a bowl people have heard of, and and it's a good game, and it's a good bowl, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons that KU should be excited about it. But those things jumped out at me for sure. Yeah, and you know, when I look at how important this bowl game is for KU, it's obviously a brand opportunity, win or lose. It's you know an opportunity to, to kind of stay in the college football limelight here. It's an opportunity for extra practices for. Jalen Daniels to get further healthy and, and kind of show out. Um, is there maybe something that is most impactful for you uh, about this bowl game and what it could mean for KU? Something or someone? Is that what you, which one? Did, what you, you can take Sorry. it whichever way you want. Yeah, um, man, good question. Uh, I, you know, look, I I think I think the, we'll go with the something because I think it's a it's a team thing and and. You know, there's the facts here are that Kansas went five and zero and then went one and six, right? And so, they're still a great story. They big picture are going to look at this as a really special year. They're going to look at it as a huge part of rebuilding and turning this thing around. And it, and it could go down as a massively important year. Um, but in the moment here, you're still one and six in your last seven games. And so, I think there's a little bit of a little bit of a validation that can come into play here. If you can win this game, again, it's against an SEC team. Um, You know, the Big 12 is nothing to sneeze at, so those were tough games up and down the schedule for for those last seven games, but uh, you only won one of them. So I think it would be an opportunity for this program to to jump into the offseason and spring and and next season with, with, you know, the same kind of momentum that they got out of that 5-0 start. and if you lose, you know, you'll still try to manufacture it a little bit. And you'll still try to grab onto it, and it'll still be there to some degree. But I think I think a win in this game can really um, bring back almost all of that, that juice that was around the program when they were 5-0 and and ranked and, and hosting game day. Um, and, 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 you know, you can take that with the good and the bad. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of positives 
with that, but there's also a lot of expectations that come with that. And, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. Um, you know, you can't go back now, right? I mean, if you've, if you've become a six and six program and you've reached that bowl game plateau and, and, and things are moving, um, I don't think anybody's going to want to see a three and nine team next year, you know? So, uh, there's a little bit more pressure that comes with that, but I think that this game and a win in this game would, would make that easier to kind of embrace and, and go attack and, and, and you'd feel good going into that and, and, and feeling that pressure as opposed to, gosh, we, we had a great start, but we went one and seven in our last eight games. Ah, you know, that's even if it's subconscious stuff, there's a little bit of self doubt and things that might creep into your brain out of that. But, you know, that's all probably minor stuff. I mean, I, I think if nothing else, anytime you play a game, you want to win it. And you're going to have a great crowd there. There's going to be a ton of Kansas fans. I'm sure there'll be a ton of Arkansas fans there, too. Um, so it should, be a, it should be one of the better bowl games. I mean, it might not mean much, but. Um, a lot of those bowls, as you've seen, Derek, I mean, over the last five or so years, you flip on a, a bowl game any time in the month of December, and there's nobody at those games. The, the seats are completely empty, and, you know, it's just not a, not a great-looking atmosphere. I don't think that'll be a problem down in Memphis. When you see all the different bowls that were available, I, I don't know. KU, I, I know Travis Goff talked about um, – that they weren't in a position where they were going to kind of like turn anything down. But um, did you get the sense at all that, you know, obviously the Liberty Bowl, it sounded like they really wanted KU. I kind of thought this was not the most ideal bowl for KU to be in. But again, you're not going to, I guess, turn it down there. Uh, What do you kind of make about the whole selection process? And and did you think this was the bowl that the KU maybe most wanted to go to? Or do you think it just happened this way? Well, I think the payout's really good, and you know I haven't looked it up myself exactly, but I've read a few different places and, and seen people talking about it. That it's what four or five million dollars for the payout. Yeah, um, I've seen so up to six that, places. That, I've seen like four and a half, five at other places. I, I don't know what it is, but clearly that, it's it's a big number. Yeah, in that range. And and look, the the, the most important thing to remember about that is they're not going to make any money on this. Um, I've never I've never talked to a. a a coach or an AD or a program even that, that has made a bunch of money off their bowl game. I mean, you know, in terms of travel and sending people and all the things that go into setting up events and, you know, being down there and, and all of that stuff, there's expense that comes with going to a bowl game too. So a lot of times I think people, the, the general rule is if you break even, you won. And uh, so, you know, it's not like they're putting that money straight in their bank account and feeling good about that. But it's bigger than 1.7 million or 2 million, you know, and so you, you do stand a better chance of making a little or definitely breaking even or whatever it is. So that's important to remember um, when you're looking at if, if this was a good, good outcome or not for them. Um, it's easy to get to. I think, you know, I, I, I know you were tweeting maybe earlier in the week or maybe Sunday about sort of the, the, the Dallas area and some of those hubs that have more of a, an alumni base already there. And, and I definitely understand what you're saying, but I, I don't know that that's a big factor here. I really don't because, you know, Dallas is still like a pro town, right? It's not, it's not a college vibe. And, and so what you're doing is you're basically bringing the vibe to whatever city you're going to, even if you did go to Dallas, it would have been easier for, for the Dallas KU fans to show up to that. But, um, 
this isn't going to be hard either. I mean, people are starving for this game and, and this moment and this opportunity. So I think they'll show up, and I think it'll be a, a really good experience for, for Kansas fans and, and, and probably the team as well, you know, just to feel that love. So um, I don't remember. I think it's like fourth or fifth, isn't it? In the Maybe fourth in the pecking order? I, yes, I, I wrote it. Um, but that's pretty good, you know. Like I think, especially if you're Kansas and, and you remember that you went one and six down the stretch, um, you know, it's probably safe to say that most years a team that went five and zero oh and then one and six would probably be down there at seven or eight as the last. Well, we'll just take whoever's left. You know, we're the we're the guaranteed rate bowl or we're the first responder bowl or whatever we are. And I guess we got you. Hey, all right. We always wanted you anyway. You know, you're going to say that, right? So, um, so I think the fact that they were chosen, um, maybe a little bit ahead of where they finished in the conference and especially chosen after a one and six finish is, is, is significant. I mean, I think that the, the Liberty bowl probably did embrace the story that is Lance Leipold and his turnaround, the story that was, Jalen Daniels before he got hurt, um, and and just the sort of story that this whole resurgence of this program is, and and you know like there, there's there's uh, peripheral things associated too. I mean, you're bringing the the university that's the defending national champs in basketball, right? I mean, does that mean anything to a bowl game? Maybe, maybe not, but it might mean something to a city. You know, it might it might add a little. Oh, Kansas is coming. Cool. Let's go check that out or whatever. You know, I I don't know, but but I I do I do think that. It would make a lot of sense for the bowl reps and whatever teams are playing in the bowl, any bowl you're talking about, to say, yeah, we always wanted Kansas. Yeah, we always wanted Wake Forest. Yeah, oh, yep, we wanted Arizona. You know, whatever. Like, what, what, what's the point in not saying that? So I think that you have to take that with a grain of salt a little bit. But in this instance, I do think it's genuine. I think that there was real interest there because – I think the Liberty Bowl is looking at Kansas as as being something different and and maybe getting a little extra attention or extra fan reception or whatever it is out of out of having KU at their bowl. We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here. Also, a uh, big week for Kansas basketball here. They take on the Missouri Tigers on Saturday, which I'm sure you know, I, I don't think any of the players actually care about the uh, Liberty Bowl stuff that went on, but I'm sure from the fan base perspective, that will lead to some extra vitriol and talking lines, I guess, uh, about this game on Saturday. Um, in, in what ways, if any, do you kind of expect things to look different for Kansas headed into this game because of the fact that they've had, you know, I guess, what, nine, ten days in between games at that point? Yeah, no, I actually just wrote about that here 20 minutes ago. Uh, I mean, I, a big part of the post-game press conference when they when they beat Seton Hall last week was talking about that. You know, what, what are you going to get out of this this actual time to practice? And, and, you know, Coach Self was very honest about it. He said, that's what we need. We need to practice. They played, I think it was five games in nine days. And, you know, you throw some travel in there down to the Bahamas. Um, not only does that wear you out a little bit and make your legs tired and things of that nature, but it also, as self pointed out, it also, it also prevents you from getting better. I mean, you're at that point, you're just one day's a scouting report. The next day is try to go play it and do the best you can. And, and you're not really able to work on anything that's, that's, um, you know, maybe 
causing you problems, maybe any major issues. Uh, I know, obviously, defensively, their ball screen defense hasn't been great so far, and he, he was looking forward to getting in the gym and working on that over and over and over and over. And, and you know, seems to believe, as he always has, that that's where you get better. That's where you show your improvement. The games, the games are the games, and the games are so important, but the games are also, you know, just trying to execute the scouting report. But you can't really worry about a scouting report if you don't do the fundamental things well. And so they needed some time to practice. And um, whether one week is enough or, or not, I don't know. But I do think they'll look rested. Uh, the fact that it's Missouri is obviously going to bring a lot of energy as well, um, both sides. So I, I don't think you'll you'll have to worry about this being a game that doesn't, doesn't have everyone's attention. Um, obviously, if you think about last year's game with Missouri, it was very clear that KU was ready for that game. I don't think Missouri was. Um, I'm sure they had a scouting report. I'm sure they had things they wanted to do. But to me, thinking back to that game, I, I think that was such a mismatch, and, and I think the Tigers knew it. And I think they showed up really wishing they weren't there and rather being anywhere else. And and the game and, and the start and the, and the final score and all that reflected that for sure. So I think this will be a much more competitive game. Missouri's off to a good start. They've got a chance to, to validate their start with a, with a big win or even just playing well against the sixth-ranked team in the country. So, you know, it's, it's the, all the border war stuff there. There's no doubt about it. But um, but I think it'll be it'll be – a big game, really, for both teams, and and uh, I, I think if you're looking for something, it'll it'll definitely be the defense. Does does KU continue to give up um, easy buckets at the rim? Do they do they continue to let their guys drive by them? Does that ball screen defense continue to to look you know like a problem, maybe non-existent even? If you're seeing that, then the week didn't do much. If you see them locked down and 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 have a little better handle on how that goes and Missouri can't run their stuff or they're starting their stuff way high on the floor or whatever it is, then I think that'll tell you all you need to know about whether the week was good for them. But the good news for KU is they get this eight, nine days, like you said, and then they get another six, seven days before Indiana comes in. And then not to say Missouri's not going to be a tough game, um, but Indiana's really good. And they're going to bring some serious talent to Allen Fieldhouse on the 17th. And uh, KU will need to have another good week of practice leading up to that. So um, the good news is after five games in nine days, they, they go, you know, two games in, in 15 days or 18 days or whatever it is. So, you know, they, they should start to show signs of, of looking a little bit more like, like a Bill Self Kansas team on the defensive end. And, and then offensively, I think they're just, it's just, you know, legs. How do you look? How do you feel? Are you tired? If you're not tired, they've got plenty on offense. And, and I think that'll show up. Well, this is the first game in Columbia in, I don't know, quite some time, 10, 11 years, I guess. Um, how, how would you describe that environment? How would you describe uh, games that are played there for maybe some Kansas fans who haven't experienced that before or, or maybe are a little bit younger and, and haven't seen the Jayhawks play in Columbia in a bit? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. You know, like you, you, these teams walk in there, these Kansas teams walk in there and they're public enemy number one. And that's from minute one. You know, you, for, for, for a more recent point of reference, you, you know, you think back to uh, last year's games in Lubbock when, when Texas went to play Texas Tech and Chris Beard was coming back and they're outside the bus and they're yelling and they're harassing him and, and, and all of that stuff. You know, it, it's, it's definitely along those lines. Um, I'm interested to see what it will be because you'll have a, an entire student body that has no idea what the rivalry is about. Um, 
the people that most recently experienced it um, in, in 2011 or 2012, whatever it was, um, you know, they're, they're old like me now, right? So that's, you know, that's, that's, they might not be around. They're certainly going to be watching it. And I'm sure they're talking about it all week and all that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how, how, how big that atmosphere is. But, you know, there's going to be a, life, a lot of lifelong Tiger fans there, of course. And, and so whether you've actually lived it and experienced it or not, you've heard it. And it's been passed down to you. And you know if you're a Missouri fan, you're supposed to hate Kansas and, and hate them with a passion and, and all that stuff. And so I'm sure they will, whether they know why they are or, or any of that. It may not matter. I just think their, their goal is going to be to, uh, to make it miserable for Kansas. And, uh, and they could. You know, it's a, it, it, when, when the place is full and when it's loud, I mean, it, it's tough, tough, tough place. Um, now, you've seen plenty of games of Missouri's on online or 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 videos or uh you know short clips or even photos where they don't have anyone in the building and so you don't really think of it as a tough place then but that's that's not when kansas is in town so i I think you know whether it's really truly nasty or not like back in the old days when they were throwing batteries at players and things like that you know i hope not i mean that that's there's no place for that um, with any school or with any fan base. And, and, you know, you can be loud and make it miserable for your hated opponent without being that type of fan, without crossing the line. So I hope we don't have to see any of that stuff. And, and I, I don't feel like we will. I mean, I think, I think people understand that. And, and uh, ho- hopefully there will be some order there. But, you know, if there's not, that's, that's what this rivalry is. If it gets a little out of hand, it gets a little out of hand. It always has. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. Last year was weird because Kansas and Missouri hadn't played for so long, and, and you know, getting that rivalry going again was, was unique and something new. Um, but it didn't feel that different because it was still Allen Fieldhouse. Allen Fieldhouse is still always full, whether you've got Kentucky in there for game day or Baylor for a Big 12 game or Texas or K-State or whoever, you know, that place has the same kind of energy, the same kind of juice, and, and can get crazy. Um, that's where I think this will be so different because Missouri doesn't have that regularly, and they're going to have that on Saturday. And so um, we'll see how it all goes down. But but KU's got to play well. I mean, I you know I don't I don't know that Missouri's schedule has been real tough, and so I don't know that there's some people out there that think they maybe should be ranked and all that. I don't think they're there yet, um, but. You can't do much better than winning every game to start, and and so they'll be fired up, and they know it's a big opportunity, and and that atmosphere and and just having that that energy in your own building will, you know, KU's going to have to show up and play well, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do and and what they can learn about themselves too. He is Matt Tate. You can check out all his work throughout the week in the Lawrence Journal World and at KUSports.com. Matt, appreciate the time as always. All right, Derek. Thanks, man. You guys take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. That's Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got some Chiefs talk next. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Maybe a wedding or family event? You can check out Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space, With a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio, they're located right off I-70 and just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. 
the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what I'm looking for? I'm uh, looking for some some solace from the pain of Chiefs losing. Well, here's That's some I'm looking for. possible solace. The path to the one seed for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> it's still out there. Technically, right now, they are the two seed. The Bills are nine and three. I guess I don't even know why I said technically. They are the two seed right now. Um, the Bills are nine and three. The Chiefs are nine and three. Bills obviously have the the head to head. And then uh, the Bengals are not far behind to eight and four. I guess technically the Dolphins aren't far behind either at eight and four. Um, yeah, the Dolphins are an interesting one. Yeah, and I don't know who they still have to play, but um, the path to the one seed still is very good for the Chiefs. It obviously becomes oh, yeah. more sticky because of the fact that they do not have the head-to-head and therefore do not have the tiebreaker against the Bills or the Bengals if they wind up with the same record. But everything is in front of the Chiefs right now with the rest of this schedule that they should be able to win out. Yes, you would think. And if you want to get the one seed, that's probably what you have to do. There is a case that you could make that they could even survive one loss if that other weird loss does come at some point. But if you want to secure it, just go win out because given, which we're going to get into the schedules here in a second, Given the remaining schedule for the Bills, there's a... It's kind of tough. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a good chance they lose a game. I mean, because it's still just, the Bills. They're a really good team. But we'll, there is a, a real chance that they lose a game. Yeah, we'll get into it. But the Chiefs have, by far, by far, yes. the easiest schedule remaining. I mean, it's not even close. I guess I should bring up Baltimore here, too. They're also 8-4. and four. Um, No. I mean, it's it's hard with, with Lamar out. But I, I don't know how long he's out. There was a report today that one he to could be out. Weeks, yeah, exactly. So if it's just one week... I don't know. It's not that crazy that their schedule is not very hard. No. Okay, so let's start with this. We'll, we'll look into the Chiefs. Okay. Here's what they have left. I'm listening. At Denver, at Houston. W, W. Versus Seattle. W. Versus Denver. W. At Las Vegas. W. Against the greatest team of all time. Who? Oh, I was just making up a team to see oh. if you would say W. W. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Listen, it's, anytime you get the Broncos twice in four weeks. Yeah. Like, dude, come on. Well, and I I do think actually both games against the Broncos are going to be games that aren't, like, totally comfortable. Like, I don't envision them no, being games it's where— just, I mean, it's just classic Chiefs. Yes, man. because— the, It's going to be a close game. It will be, and the Broncos play good defense where you'll 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 Russ, win the game, like, 20-17 to 17 or something. Russell Wilson's going to have the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to go down to win, and something's going to happen, and he's going to not throw a touchdown so that he stays under his number of bathrooms, and they're going to lose. But, yeah, it's going to be stressful. Like, yeah. I'm just telling you right now, the Broncos games especially, probably both of them, like you said, they are going to be stressful. And probably all of these games are going to ha- yeah. be stressful. This this is not a situation, like, I mean, th- that's, just, that's just who the Chiefs are. This is what they do. They they induce stress for no reason. When there is no need to be stressed, that is when they activate the most amount of stress that you can have. I will say, I do, I do like that they're playing the, because with what you mentioned, them playing the, the Broncos twice. I do like that the road game is the first one because this is now the Chiefs coming off a loss. Yeah. Like if you were just to say, well, which is a riskier game? Like it's obviously go, the like one the in Denver Chiefs than just Kansas City. Slap Seattle, mm-hmm. and then they got to play Denver, and it's like, oh, we got to get up for Denver. Yeah. You know, but at the, least you get that on the, the road. Three and now, twelve, right? the three and twelve Broncos. Like we just, we're just whatever. It's the Broncos, right? Yeah. But you're right. This game is like, yeah, we just lost to the Bengals. We're pissed off. Let's just go beat the hell out of them. Yes, and I think that um, I think that what do you, what do you realistically, 
they should go undefeated here, given the fact that sometimes the Chiefs do lose weird games. Now, you have said you think the Colts one got it out of the way. I still feel like there could be one more because sometimes we have seasons where there's two. Worst case okay. scenario, though, there. I mean, obviously, when I say worst case scenario, realistic worst case scenario, if a player got like hurt or something, you know, if if Andy Reid just decided to stop coaching football today, then yes, that is the real worst case scenario. And like, bats have happened. But like, realistic worst case scenario, they're four and one there, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Seattle obviously is a team that preseason you were not even considering that, but obviously the way they've been playing lately, like Seattle's gonna have a lot to play for because they're still in the battle for potentially winning the NFC West. Right, so they're going to be coming into to Kansas City with a lot to play for. So that I think that's the game that you your eyes are drawn to immediately. And then obviously the Raiders, that one anything can happen. Right, it's a rivalry game. It's the last game of the season. That game could be for the Chiefs to play for the one seed. Right, so the Raiders, while they might be eliminated from the playoffs by that point, a chance to stop the Chiefs from getting the one yeah. seed. like they're going to be up for that for sure. Yeah, I don't love that game at the end because they are the type of team that we know plays up to the Chiefs level. And like Derek Carr either plays horrible against the Chiefs or he plays. <laughs> like really well against the Chiefs so that is maybe a little bit scary but yeah I I do think worst case scenario you're but I mean so, the Houston game like pff, Houston right okay and so, then the two Denver games as you as we've highlighted you should easily win yeah you so you're think. looking at either 13 and 4 or 14 and 3 the right. Buffalo Bills are the biggest competition um and they have in my my in my humble opinion obviously I'm extremely biased mm-hmm they have, to me, four games of the last five that they could easily lose. Yes, but will the, they? Do, does am I? Does that mean I'm saying they're going to go one and four in the last? No, five? you're just saying no. they're they're all. You're games saying they that, have four yes. games. Yeah, yeah, that they could lose. Yeah, and they'll be favored in all. So of even them. if they lose, since, yeah, so all they have to do, and all they have to do is lose two. Yeah. So if they get the Jets at home this week, but I do. They already lost that. They already but lost yes, the Jets. you're right. But I think that's further reason for me to think they're going to beat them. Like, are they really going to get swept by the Jets? They uh, could. The Dolphins at home. They already lost to the Dolphins. Again, I, I don't see them getting swept. They, they out-yarded them by, like, 300. At Chicago, that's the easiest of their games yeah. remaining. Yeah. Um, at Cincinnati. That's the big one. You could be rooting for the Bengals to be no, like, you should help be. us out here, right? No, if you're yeah, a Chiefs yeah. fan, you should be. Unless the Bills England lose, Unless the Bills lose to both the Jets and the Dolphins consecutive weeks, then you might want to root for the Bills at that point. But you should be rooting for the you should be rooting for the Bengals. Yes. So like looking at that schedule, it is very possible they lose two times. You know, to the Dolphins or the Jets, and then the Bengals on the road, um, or the the Patriots. Bill Belichick could them, dial right? up some crazy yeah. stuff in the last game. Right, and the Patriots are playing to like make the playoffs as like the seven seeds. So yes. like it means more to them, even though the Bills could be playing for the one. So it's definitely possible. But I do think it is more likely that the Bills only lose one more game the rest of the way, if any. Which okay. means I do think the Chiefs are going to have to go undefeated to get the one seed. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to rely on the Bills losing, but this is what happens when you're the Chiefs and you just choke away the game against the Bengals. Yeah. Now you have to rely on somebody else to now, do your dirty work. Now, if you do get the situation where the Chiefs do lose the one of the games and they're 13-4, and four, and let's say the Bills do lose twice, and now you don't have to worry about them coming for a tie as the one seed. Yeah, this is one of those things where, like, if the Chiefs end up Getting the one seed, regardless of how it happens, it's water under the bridge at that point. Correct. Right? Like it doesn't matter. Like like if the Chiefs lose, if the Chiefs go one and four, but the Bills lose every single game they play, and the Bengals lose all their games, and the Chiefs are still the one seed, and they're you know 11, 11 and six or whatever, it doesn't matter. Yes. And so in that situation, though, then it would be about because let's say the Bills do lose twice, and the Chiefs are now sitting there at thirteen and four. 
That means one of the losses probably was to Cincinnati. So now all of a sudden you have to worry about, well, is Cincinnati going to win out? They have Cleveland at home, who oddly enough, Joe Burrow has, I don't think, beaten Cleveland. Hmm. It's like the Browns are 4-0 against Joe Burrow, but the Chiefs are 0-3 against Joe Burrow. Make that make sense. I, I, um, I wish that statement didn't exist. They're at Tampa Bay. That's a losable game. At New England, losable yeah. game. Yeah. Buffalo at home, but you probably need them to beat Buffalo, but it is a losable game. Baltimore yeah. at home, losable game. They already lost once. The Baltimore um, game could be really interesting because not only could that be like possibly for jockeying for the one seed, it also just could legitimately be for for the division, right? Like it's not even like one of those teams, Baltimore or Cincinnati. Like one of those teams is going to be a wild card. Obviously, they're in the same division. So that last game that could be for the division, right? Which, regardless of if it's for a one seed or not, it could be huge. And just in terms of who's going to be playing on the road that first weekend in the wild card or or vice versa, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's it. That could that game has a lot of implications just beyond possibly being the Bengals trying to get a one seed. Yes, and then uh, I guess if we want to throw Baltimore in there because their schedule is easy. I mean, if they get by Pittsburgh on the road this week without Lamar, and then Lamar comes back at Cleveland, uh, I mean that is kind of a tough game with Watson back. But uh, Atlanta, who's fine, not crazy. Pittsburgh at home, I don't and then know, at man. Cincinnati, we had that conversation like what they're going to lose weeks one ago. or two games. We right? had that conversation three weeks ago or a month ago. We were like. Wow, the Ravens have a really easy schedule. They could be a one seed. <laughs> well, and then they what? lost the Jaguars and almost lost it the It turns out the Ravens suck. <laughs> it turns out they're bad. It turns out they're not very good because yeah. they're barely beating not very good teams, and they've lost to some not very good teams. Yeah, so maybe we shouldn't include them. So here's the path for, for the Chiefs. Win out. Oh, and then means- hope the Bengals beat the Bills. That is oh. the easiest path. That's the easiest, yeah. most simple path. That's easy enough. Outside of that, you lose one game. You better hope. I mean, at that point, the Bengals have to beat the Bills. And you hope the Bills lose one other that they're not supposed to. And then you hope the Bengals lose to either the Browns, <laughs> Buccaneers, Patriots, or Ravens. I just I just refuse to live in a world where the Bengals are the one seed. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the Bengals, but it, this uh, this year above all, I would say is probably of the like Mahomes era. I mean, you could argue, over, years, but like, dude, over the summer, this was billed as a soft rebuild for the Chiefs <laughs> yeah. this season. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone yeah. was like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs, they might go 10 and seven. The Chiefs might go <laughs> the you know, nine and eight. The the Chiefs, was 10 and a half. You know, the Chiefs might go. 11. I actually saw somebody on Twitter made a good point about this. It was like it's like everyone predicts in the preseason. The Chiefs are going to go eleven and six, or the Chiefs are going to go ten and seven, or whatever. And now here, the Chiefs are nine and three, and they lose some games. And everyone's like, "Yeah, oh my God, the Chiefs lost! What? How did they lose? Oh, we're panicking." Yes, and it's like, "Oh, you predicted in the preseason that they were going to have this was going to happen." Yeah, it's like you predict the Chiefs are going to lose to the Bills, the Chiefs lose to the Bills, and then you're mad. Yeah, then you're mad that they lost to the Bills or the Bengals. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. It's it's yeah, it's the same thing with KU basketball where it's like, oh, this doesn't look right, and it's like they're eight and one. We knew they were going to have early season struggles in certain ways. They have a young team anyway, but I, I will say like this is to to making the Super Bowl among all the other Mahomes years. This is probably the I don't know if you would agree with this. This is probably the most important that it has been for the Chiefs to try to get the one seed because if you think about it, just from the scheduling perspective, like we saw we saw the opposite of this last year, right? It's think about the. Think about the odds, just in general, of saying our path to the Super Bowl, we have to beat the Bengals and the Bills. Okay, but if I don't, you said we just have to beat one. I, that's exactly what you're saying. I don't think that I don't think they'll have to beat both. But that's if you get the one seed, you don't. Even if they're a two seed, I don't think they might not have to. No, because if you're the two seed 
and the three seed is, let's say the one seed's the Bills, the two's the, the Chiefs, and the, the three's the Bengals, right? You would play the three seed in the divisional round, assuming the three seed beats the six seed in the wild card. No, that's, wait. Yes. No, that's yes. not how that works. Yes, it is. Because if you're the two seed, you'd play the lower seed. <laughs> no, you'd play the three seed. The one seed would get the lowest seed remaining. If the three seed wins, they automatically play the two seed, assuming the two and the three. So, both you're, so you're saying that the Chiefs being a two or a three seed would be really bad. Yes, basically what I'm saying is if you're the two or the three seed, you're going to then have to play one of the Bengals or the Bills in the divisional round, and then you're going to have to play most likely the other one in the AFC championship. Whereas if you're the one seed, guess what? The Bills and the Bengals have to play in the divisional. You get to avoid, and you only have to beat one of them. So I feel like from that standpoint, I mean, we saw a perfect example last year. You play the game, uh, unbelievable game. You beat the Bills, and then you just run out of steam against the Bengals. Whereas the Bengals get the Titans, right? And so I almost feel like this but year. The, uh, what, uh, stop the bus. Okay. Last year, the, the that. What you're the logic you're applying to this year from last year doesn't actually check out because the Titans were the one seed, so the Chiefs, yeah, were a lower. The Bengals were the four. Exactly. So the Bengals got the easier path by being lower seed last season. So well, that logic doesn't apply seed. to this season. It it does to the two or three seed. The Bengals were like the four seed last year, right? But yeah, but you're but exactly. So but you're arguing basically that this year it would be the Bengals would be the one seed or whatever, and so they would play. But that didn't happen last year. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying, if you are the one seed, right? Okay, so we can agree on this. Let's let's what? start with this. Okay. The Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills, those are going to be your top three seeds in the AFC, hypothetically in this scenario, right? It could be the Ravens if they win the division. The sure. North. Probably not, though. Okay. So we are in agreement that the well, but, mo- most but, likely scenario, not the, of course, other things could happen. <laughs> the most likely scenario is that those are the top three well, what seeds, if the, correct? What if the Dolphins win the AFC? All right. Okay, sorry. Give up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Continue. Continue. I'm following. If those three are the top three seeds, like you think is going to happen. That's the most likely outcome, yes. If you're the one seed, you would only have to play one of them to get to the Super Bowl. Yes. If you were the two or the three, you would have to play two of them to get to the Super Bowl. Assuming Assuming the bracket holds. Yes. Yeah, that sucks. Yes. That's terrible. Wow, that's so bad. So, extra importance, win out, and hope the Bills lose once. I said at the beginning of this segment that I wanted some solace for losing to the Bengals. This is just making me more upset that they lost to the Bengals. Yeah. What are we doing here? Because, <laughs> I mean, they would be... Oh, we'd be we'd be cruising. Yeah, exactly. If they we'd won be that on game. the beach just hanging out. Yep. One seed. Had not to, make have to worry tougher. about any of this That's stuff, That's the Chiefs man. way, though, right? It's, hey, no, it we is. can do this, but we got to make it Chiefs. a little tougher. It right? is the Chiefs. It's like, hey, you know, we'll we'll get there. But, you know, on the, on the way... We're just gonna lose to the Colts just for fun. Yeah. Just why not? Just make just to spice things up a little bit. And then we're gonna go on the road to the Bengals and we're gonna have the lead and we're just gonna fumble. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna we're just gonna mess around and lose there. And then, you know, it's just we're just gonna make life more stressful for everybody. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Stupid Chiefs. We have uh High School Sports, sports Weekly. fandom is literally the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it's so stupid. High School Sports Weekly tonight at Burgers by Biggs. Come on out, 6 to 7. We've got LHS Wrestling joining the show. We've got Bishop Seabury Basketball joining the show. You can come by, get some stocking stuffers. they got barbecue sauce, dry rub. they got uh, gift card deals. You can spend $50 in gift cards, get a $10 free voucher for 2023. So stop by Burgers by Biggs for High School Sports Weekly. Corner of Wakarusa and Bob Billings for tonight. We're going to take a timeout. Kevin Flaherty joins us in 20 minutes. Let's talk a little about the college football playoff next. This is RCST. <laughs> 
John Heyman of the uh, New York Post MLB Network reporting arson judge appears headed to the Giants. I mean, they say the stove is hot, who? but wait, who? Quite literally. Who? Arson. <laughs> I love it. Who? Side note, if uh, if Aaron Judge is signing with the Giants, I might That's just- a huge day for you. I might just, just leave the show right now and go, you know, do some laps, I don't know, scream in excitement, so- yeah, Just to let you know, I could leave here at any moment. That's very now. exciting for a resident San Francisco Giants fan. Very Derek exciting. Johnson. Very, very exciting. By the way, I was looking, I, I was reading an article because obviously a lot of people have mentioned, um, and I don't know how much people actually care about Aaron Judge, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, Go for it. The floor <laughs> is yours. Well, in, in that some people have mentioned, like, well, why did you sign in San Francisco? You're going to lose all your home runs. And. Um, Wait, why would he lose all of his home runs? Well, just from like the oh, the Yankees have this like super oh, yeah. easy porch, and, but and the Giants. They, but is the a Giants tough don't they have the hit. right field where the wind blows out? Yeah, it's it's super it's super close, but it's like really hard. Like I'm pretty sure only one player ever, and the stadium's been around for like 20 years, has who's been a right-handed hitter, has hit what they call a so not just a home run to right field, but if you hit it over the wall and then get it into yeah, don't they have they have a the water counter. right there? They yeah, they counter. do. Only one, I think, only one home run from right-handed hitter has ever happened there. So like that's kind of crazy, oh. but they unlike Statcast, they have a thing where you can see how many home runs the player would have at every yeah. stadium. Yeah, and it was like because he had what sixty two with the Yankees. I think it was sixty one in the Giants ballpark. So it's not that big of a difference. But here's here's the best part: you can find what he did in in Coors Field, which the Giants play the Rockies in Coors Field nine times a season. That's true. He would hit seventy three. That's what he would have <laughs> hit last year. Arson Judge, baby. Arson Judge. Let's. Do it. He's gonna burn it down. Yep. I mean, wait. No. What? Nothing. Oh, you scared me there. <laughs> you think I was gonna be like, wait? No, actually, he just signed with the Yankees. Well, um, I mean, it's still possible. Oh, John Heyman just tweeted: Giants say they have not heard on Aaron Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun, dude. Wow, dude. Wow. If he doesn't end up signing with the Giants, I'm going They're to gonna find sue John, John Heyman. And I'm going to. You should send him a Twitter message. Or say something really mean. And angry. One, okay, one thing I've always wanted to do, and I still would like to do this sometime, maybe you know, is I want to gather up all of the people, corporations, whatever that have angered me, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write some letters to all of them. I'm going to send them to them. Be like, hey, this time, this day, whatever, you made me really mad, and so here's a letter expressing my displeasure. With whatever it is you caused me to be mad about. <laughs> Sincerely, me. Okay, but this is also, now we have... Uh, we should do a segment like that. We should just write angry letters. I actually love that idea. So you can write an angry letter to whoever? Yeah, so so what we'll do is, what we could do is, we you know you write an angry letter, and then we'll bring it in and read it on air to whoever it is. Okay. Well, but it's got to be like, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be, you got to put some flair into it. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Um, <clears throat> do you have anybody that's on your letter list? Oh, dude. I, like, legit, I swear to God, you can ask my dad about mm -hmm. this. When I was a kid, when I was like 10, 11, 12, I actually did have a, like, a running list of people that I was going to write to that I was mad about. <laughs> like, I remember uh, <laughs> Fox Sports was on there. Fox Sports was on there because they – I used to be a NASCAR fan when I was a kid. And if I remember right, when I was younger – Fox Sports took off a segment of like their NASCAR coverage that I really liked. And so I was and I was really mad about it. And I was like I was like 9. 
and I was going to write a letter to Fox Sports and be like, hey, you took away my joy of whatever this segment is. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but that's just one example. But, yeah, I used to – absolutely, I used to have a list. I have to ask my dad about it and see see if he remembers. Well, yeah, I used, when I was when I was a kid, I used to a lot of a lot of it was sports related. Like it would just be like dumb stuff, or somebody somebody said something bad about the Chiefs or something. And I'd be like, "Hey, I'm gonna write you a letter." Okay, this is this is a fun conversation. Who growing up? So it had to be when you know childhood fandom. Who yeah. was the player you hated the most? Like in any sport? Yeah, it could be anything. I'm trying. When to I was think. a kid, I really so when I was a kid, when I was like five, six, seven. I was a huge, huge Jeff Gordon fan. Loved okay. Jeff Gordon. And so I really, really, really hated Tony Stewart. Like, hated him. <laughs> like, despised him. Like, literally hated him so much. I hated Tony Stewart when I was, like, six. I hated Tony Stewart. I'm trying to think who mine would be. I, I really guts. did not like uh, Jake Plummer. <laughs> and, like, when you're, a, when you're a kid, it's... Like when when I'm an adult, there's like very few players where it's just like <laughs> oh, it's just, I, you know, no, yeah, you're right. You. Because no, you're like when you, when you're okay, a kid, everything person, everything right? all your emotions are so much more visceral. Yes. like you're just like God, he scored on me. I hate him. I hate that you know? guy. It's like I hate God, him. really no, but <laughs> it's just a different. It is yeah, it is I, remarkable how much you mellow out by the time. You get <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh gosh, he would have to be up there. I'm trying to think who else. Um, yeah, for me it was probably Tony Stewart that I hated the most. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. This is a good question. Yeah. Um, who would be the? I'm trying to think for KU fans, like who it would be probably Ollie for Oakmanesh for a lot of people around our age. No, what was that? Uh, what was that? He wore number 31 for K State. I'm blanking. He was a he was a three point shooter. Uh, I, I, oh gosh. In like 2007. Oh, 2007. Um, he was 31, I think. I don't remember. You're not like talking about Michael shooter. Beasley, right? No, 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 not Michael Beasley, not Michael Beasley. Hmm. Hang on. Let me do some quick research here. Yeah, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, that would certainly be up there. I think that with baseball, like for a lot of people, probably like, I don't know, Jonathan Papelbon. He was always, um, I don't know, anybody who got caught in like the steroid era, if he wasn't on your team, like everybody else hated him. He didn't like him. That was a fun one. Where? Oh, wait, here we go. Dude, I'm I'm so mad about the Aaron Judge thing thing. <laughs> Aaron Judge thing still. That is that is that is tough, honestly. You can't do that. No, you really can't. Like, come on, John Heyman. You're better than that. Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle, Giants beat writer, tweeted seven minutes ago, buzz in the lobby as Judge is going to sign with the Giants. So Responded wait. to that. Apparently a decision was made in the last thirty minutes. But so now when, when just, was that tweeted? This was tweeted a, like a couple minutes after the Heyman thing. But now I'm just wondering if because it says buzz in the lobby, does that, that mean? just mean everybody in the so oh uh, so winter meetings are going on right now? I don't know if you knew that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and they're in like the the San Diego, whatever hotel. So here's my guess: everybody's a buzz in the lobby because they're like, hey, John Heyman just reported that Darren Judge is going. Oh. to so everybody's probably ah, uh, so annoying, dude. John Heyman is now on that is he list. on your list? Yes. And the fact that he said arson judge made it even better, and it made it funnier. It no, that was hilarious. Oh, no, not 31. 20, Dennis Clemente. That's the guy from K-State. Oh, Denny Clemente. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was really good. Didn't like that guy. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. But yeah, and I'm trying to think. Like when I was a kid, like the Raiders sucked, so I didn't really hate anybody on the Raiders. Yeah. I don't think. And like, I mean, it's it was really hard to hate Philip Rivers because he's just, I don't know, he's just, I don't know. I didn't really hate Philip Rivers. Jay and Cutler. Like, Jay Cutler. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like Jay Cutler that much, but I didn't hate him. And like like Ladanian Tomlinson, I didn't hate Ladanian Tomlinson, but I, I didn't I didn't like him. He seems like a nice guy. Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and it's like Ladanian Tomlinson was one of those things where it, he was just so much better. You know what I mean? Like I think part of the thing that when you when you talk about rivalries or whatever, like hating or whatnot, like hating a specific player or whatnot, part of it is like if you, for instance, like the, the, that time of the Chiefs, the Chiefs were bad, right? And Ladanian Tomlinson was just so much better. Like, it didn't even make sense to hate him because you just knew he was going to beat you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think part of the dynamic of having that sort of hatred of a rivalry is like, you have to, it has to be like somewhat competitive. Whereas with Ladanian Tomlinson, it, it was just so obvious that he was the best player that he just, that's just how it was. So I never hated him either. Yeah. He is uh, Nick Springer. We're going to shift gears, talk with Kevin Flaherty coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. I'm Derek Johnson, joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. And uh, Kansas is going to be playing in the Liberty Bowl against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, the over-under, really high, like nearly 70 in, in the game, which means this could be some exciting stuff. And uh, certainly that could be the expectation with couple good quarterbacks, two good offenses, some defenses that have uh, struggled at certain points of the season. Uh, Kevin, as far as the matchup goes in this bowl game, what is most intriguing to you about the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, I think a lot of it that's interesting to me is how Brian Borland is going to attack this defensively because I think, you know, if I were to ask you guys and say which which offense did Kansas struggle the most to stop this year? Uh, you might say Oklahoma. You know, when you look at go back and look at that game, the tempo that Oklahoma played with, I think we talked about that very next week, sort of how Kansas wasn't really built to play well against that type of offense. And that's what Arkansas runs. It's the same system. They also play with tempo. Oklahoma's a little bit faster. I think Oklahoma was like a top five tempo this year. Uh, Arkansas is like a top 20 tempo, and all that means is that Oklahoma is getting 75 plays a game, and I think Arkansas is getting like 72. So it's pretty pretty similar from a pace standpoint. Uh, run the same, you know, what's called beer and shoot. It's an Art Brile system and everything. But it's one thing to, to prepare for Oklahoma on a week, right? There's not a whole lot you can do about it in order to change things up drastically or or whatever else. But when you have a month to prepare for something, when you have a chance to really look at and break down, Hey, this is, this is what's given them maybe a little bit of trouble this year. This is something we can do that we haven't done before. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember the orange bowl. That team was not a very blitz happy Kansas team. You know, they tried to get after the passer with, with their front four, dropped the other seven guys back in coverage a lot of times, they came out and blitzed the absolute snot out of Virginia Tech and wound up getting five sacks in that game. And so I I think the intriguing thing to me when I look at this game, yes, I expect it to be high scoring. Yes, I, I think you have two really good quarterbacks. 
it, it's going to be a lot of fun, especially if you have, you know, healthy guys for, for Kansas and Jalen Daniels, maybe Devin Neal, you know, gets back to being healthy. Kai Thomas is a guy we haven't seen healthy really all year has a chance to maybe get healthy for that bowl game. At the same time, I think from a Kansas perspective in particular, the defense is really what I'm going to be watching to see, hey, do they play what they've played all year and say, this is who we are, this is what we do? Or do they say, it's a bowl game, we've got a lot of practice, we can toss a little something new out there and and maybe show a few new looks. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, do you think that if Kansas wins this game and Jalen Daniels looks really good, like the guy who was Heisman candidate through the first five weeks of the season, and they return everybody we expect them to return, so at that point you're looking at, I I forget what the number would be, like, I don't know, 18 starters, something like that back for next season. Is there a case to be made that Kansas could get that kind of bull boost hype and and be like a preseason top 25 team next year? It's, it's so funny you just asked that. Every Tuesday we write our Big 12 power rankings, and my Big 12 power ranking, I wrote just that about Kansas, saying that that's kind of what's at stake here because I think that as much as we watch Kansas on an every-week basis, I don't think that the average writer across the country you know, watches Kansas with the same level of interest and, and says, oh, if Kansas didn't have these injuries, whatever else, you know, okay, you could have been an eight-win team, whatever. But I do think that there are going to be a lot of eyes on that bowl game. And if Kansas does come out, play well, Jalen Daniels looks really well, people are starting to flip through, you know, and say, okay, who's coming back for different people? Oh, my gosh, Kansas is returning 18, 18 guys. If Kansas is six and seven, I don't know that that's going to happen. If Kansas is seven and six, Ending the year with with a win over Arkansas with Jalen Daniels looking good in the scenario you just spelled out, I do think that there's a very real chance that when those preseason polls come out that you're going to see Kansas getting ranked and maybe getting a little bit of benefit of the doubt there, especially you know after how long it took to rank Kansas this season. And so I, I think that's that's another thing that that's sort of fascinating about this bowl game matchup is if Arkansas wins by 20, and I'm not saying you want that result, obviously, but if Arkansas wins by 20, I don't know that it's super damaging to Kansas, but if Kansas wins by a field goal, I, I think that that's the sort of thing that can really propel them through the offseason and, and kind of generate buzz around the program as well. What do you think was a bigger snub as far as the award season for uh, Kansas? No Jared Casey on the All-Big 12 team or Lance Leipold not named one of the uh, Coach of the Year finalists? Well, you you obviously saw me tweeting like a, yep. a raging maniac about the Jared <laughs> Casey thing, um, and and I feel like I have a pretty good case. You know, when you look oh, at yeah. none of the none of the Big Twelve fullback candidates were full time fullbacks. You know, the the K State kid was a tight end. I think something like ninety percent of the time, or something like that. So it, you know, he did fit the same definition that those guys did, and. He put up significantly better numbers than several of those other guys. And when you look at the fact that one of the second-team fullbacks is Dylan Doyle, a guy who played 37 offensive snaps all year, that didn't sit right with me. And so I do think Lance Leipold got snubbed. I think 
with the way things ended, obviously, I think Kansas kind of fell out of the national eye a little bit. I did think Indy Kotelnicki maybe got snubbed pretty good for, for Broyles Awards stuff uh, as well. But I would say Jared Casey, just because you're talking about for him to be a second-team All-Big 12 guy, all he had to do was was get named over a linebacker who only played in short yardage offensive situations and and barely played offense, and instead, you know, Casey didn't even get honorable mention. And so I think that that's the one that, that kind of jumps out at me. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports here on RCST. TCU ends up making the playoff despite losing to Kansas State in the Big 12 uh, title game. How do you kind of see them faring in the playoffs in terms of, I guess, their matchup with Michigan and also, like, do you give them a real shot at winning the title or does that seem like too big of a long shot? Well, I'm not sure anybody's got a great shot against Georgia at this point. I mean, that that team has looked really, really good with the exception of the Missouri game where they looked, you know, pretty much bored for three quarters and then said, oh, crud, we could lose this game and then turned it up at that point. So I think Georgia is a sort of a no doubt number one. If you were asking me, hey, Georgia versus the college football playoff field, I'd probably pick Georgia if we're being honest about it. At the same time, I do think TCU has a chance to really acquit itself well against Michigan. And I'm fascinated to see that game just given the fact that TCU didn't have a great run defense, you know, over the course of the of the season, but there were enough moments in there that made you feel like, well, there's a possibility here. I mean, you look at what they did to Bijan Robinson. I think Bijan Robinson had what under 40 yards, under 30 yards rushing in that game. I don't remember what it was specifically, but you look at their performance in that game. You look at what they've done at certain times, and then all of a sudden, you give those guys a full month to specifically prepare for Michigan's running game. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that they're they're going to win it or, or whatever else, but I think there's a there's a pretty decent chance that TCU acquits itself a lot better in that game than maybe a lot of people thought. And it's kind of funny because obviously in Big Twelve country we see TCU pretty regularly. I thought it was very apparent though at the end of the season that maybe the only times that people really saw TCU were sort of the end of that Baylor game and the Big 12 title game. Because when you heard a lot of people talking about, hey, how good is TCU actually? I felt like a lot of the criticism and a lot of the different things sounded like they were coming from people who weren't super familiar with watching TCU play this year. What do you think has a better chance of happening? that TCU plays for the title or that a Big 12 team is playing for the title in basketball? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty much always going to take the, the TCU thing because just mathematically they have to win one game to get there and the NCAA tournament, you know, it, it's really, really tough to get through and you need a, a certain semblance of luck and all the different things that go along with that. I also think you look across the big 12 in basketball and, and there are some really good teams in there. Obviously, you know, Texas has maybe been, you know, the top team or top two or three team in the entire country at this point, but I still see that as a really flawed team because of the way that 
that they're really streaky shooting the ball. I think that Kansas is a very flawed team right now. Baylor defended probably it's the best that it has all year against Gonzaga because they've had some real issues defensively, I thought. And even then, you know, kind of needed a break or two at the end to go their way in order to win that game by a point. And so I'm not sure that there's a, a Big 12 team, and I'm not saying this is going to be the same thing in March, but there's not a Big 12 team that I circle where I just say, my gosh, like this this team is an absolute buzzsaw. You know, they're going to be favored to, to reach the national title game or win it. Whereas I, I think the TCU, you're, you're talking about one game. So, you know, Michigan plays a bad game. TCU plays a great game. TCU's through. And so I'd probably pick TCU in that scenario. Well, if we're just looking at the Big 12 overall right now, because we have seen some of those defensive issues prior to the Gonzaga game for Baylor. And obviously with Kansas, we've seen uh, a few hurdles that they've had to jump over. Um, TCU had early season struggles. Should Texas be considered the number one team in the Big 12 with a bullet right now? Texas is the best team right now. Yeah, like if the NCAA tournament were tomorrow, then Texas would be the the odds-on favorite to go the furthest of any Big 12 team. And and I don't think that 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 should surprise anybody. I, I think that Texas is a very good defensive team. You know, there are a lot of things about Chris Beard's teams in the past when he's brought guys back, and I know we've talked about that on the show before. His best teams have had sort of a returning core of players. And as much as we fell in love with all the transfer additions last year, you know, I think this year when you looked at, hey, they've got all these guys back and they're adding talent to that, I think this year really looked like the team that I thought had a chance to to maybe achieve what people thought last year's team was, last year's team could achieve. And so I, I do think... Right now, yeah, Texas, Texas is your favorite. I do think Baylor can do some things. I think Kansas can do some things to change that by March. But if we're talking right now, I, it's not even a, you know, this team's one, this team's 1A, this team's 1B. I think Texas is one, and then you, you maybe even have a little bit of a gap between them and some of the other top teams in the Big 12 right now. So how would you tear out the league at this point in time? So I'd probably put Texas on its own tier. I'd put Baylor and Kansas probably just below that. I think you split another tier after that, and you probably have like Texas Tech, TCU, you know, teams that have sort of high potential and the ability to to come together, and yet for whatever reason, just haven't quite yet. And then I think there are some teams that you look at, like Oklahoma, you look at Oklahoma State, you look at West Virginia, which I think has been better than expected, at least for me. Um, But you look at those teams and you wonder what the ceiling is. And so those teams, you say, hey, they could reach the, the NCAA tournament, they could wind up on the right side of the bubble or the wrong side of the bubble, depending on how many of those close Big 12 games that we see every year kind of go their way. Kansas State's been a lot better than expected. I'd still probably put them a tier below that group, but there's a chance that they could hop up with that group, especially if if Keontae Johnson keeps playing the way that he has to this point. Kevin, before we let you go, kind of a off-the-wall question. In our last segment, Derek and I were talking about this. When you were younger, 
was there any players, a specific player or athlete in general that you just really, really did not like, that you just really had a strong hatred for? Yeah, I think for for Kansas people and people who grew up watching Kansas of a certain age, I feel like Jason Sutherland is going to ring a lot of those bells. And it's it's kind of funny because just a couple years before with that, that dominant Missouri team that, that went undefeated through the Big 8, you know, I always respected Melvin Booker. It was kind of like the end of Anchorman where he's like, you know, I don't like it, but gosh darn it, do I respect you? You know, type of deal, and then a couple years, and then a couple years later, you get Jason Sutherland, and I think, like I said, for for people who grew up around Kansas, at, you know, a certain age, baseball, I feel like it's a little harder to to dislike individual players, maybe even football a little bit in the same way, but but basketball, yeah, I, I think Jason Sutherland was a guy that you just hated to for your team to lose to that guy because you just did not like him at all. That's a good answer. I, I said for for me growing up, I think I think it might have been like Jake Plummer. It was my yeah. Answer. I could get that. <laughs> see, there we go. See, yeah, there's no point. Like I see it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, have a good rest of your week. All right, thanks a lot, guys. See you right. in a couple days. Yeah, thanks. There we go. Some barbecue lunch with with Kevin. Um, Kevin's always great at about it. We should have asked him some barbecue questions. Oh, well, next time, next week. Uh, with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. Uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some audio to get to you from Travis Goff. We've got some audio from Jalen Daniels, QB1 for KU football, and then we've got our uh, RCST replay coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on.